Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm really glad you're here. And it's Friday, so welcome to another weekend. Before we get today's show, which you're going to just love, I want to remind you of something. Two weeks ago, my husband Aaron and I released our new book. It's called Compliment, The Surprising Beauty of Choosing Together Over Separate in Marriage. And that really is our heart for this book, is to help you and to encourage you to really choose each other, to choose together over separate in your marriage. We believe that marriage is a great gift from God. We don't believe it is the ultimate gift. We believe that is God has put marriage in your future, that it's worth fighting for. And so this book is our encouragement to you. We go through 10 different chapter, 10 different ideas of how we think we can be gospel-centered in our marriage. Things like cheering for each other, love, sex, being on mission, fighting, leading, following. It's really, really an encouraging book. And we hope that you can get one for yourself and your spouse soon. If you have already picked up Compliment, and if you've already read it, two things. A, congratulations for getting a book in in March, and two, thank you. We would love it if you have enjoyed the book Compliment, if you would head over to Amazon and leave us a rating and a review. We'll take all the stars you can give us. Five would be awesome. But in all seriousness, we would love for you to leave some encouragement there, not just for Aaron and I, but so other people who are looking for a book about marriage can find this one as well. Okay, on to today's show. Today's guest is Mike Naraki. Mike was one of the co-creators of VeggieTales, you guys. Some of you guys that are listening, you grew up watching VeggieTales, and some of you guys that are listening grew up putting your kids in front of VeggieTales. No matter what, we know that it was such a great animated show that we could trust to put in front of our kids to give them biblical truths. Well, now Mike is at it again, and he's creating a new show called The Dead Sea Squirrels. They have their pilot that releases this month. He gives us all the information. And this is an interesting conversation about what it looks like for a young 20-year-old, that's how old he was when he created VeggieTales, to go into the business of creating animated TV shows for children when he didn't even have kids. And I love how he talks about God making his mission something he never thought it was going to be. It's so true for all of us. Sometimes we have this idea of where we think God has taken us. And oftentimes he does a detour that is much better than we could have ever imagined. Guys, enjoy the show. Here is my conversation with Mike, aka Larry the Cucumber. Hey, Mike, welcome to the happy hour. Jamie, thank you so much. It's great to be here. This is so fun. Now, we did an Instagram Live, you know, at the end of February, which was fun. With a couple of fumbles on my part. I'm not really well-versed completely on Instagram Living, although I I think that was maybe the second one that I did. And for some reason, maybe have to do it on your phone. I thought you could do it on your computer. But anyways, I've learned my lesson. We made it. Well, welcome to the happy hour. People saw us on Instagram. They know who you are, but introduce yourself to my listener today. So Mike Naraki, I am the co-creator of VeggieTales and the voice of Larry the Cucumber, just in case there was any doubt. Do you do that all the time? People meet you and they're like, no, give us the voice. Yeah, well, so the people who know that I'm the voice, it's kind of the great thing about being a voice actor, you know, with the famous characters. I can most of the time go incognito, you know, so most of the time people have no idea who I am, except for when they do, and then it's fun to pull out the voice. So, and people say, you must get sick of that doing that voice. And I say, no, that voice fed my children. So I'm fine with <laughs> That's it. exactly right. I'll do that voice however long you <laughs> no, want. That's right. That's right. Uh, so co-creator of Tales, and what else are you doing with your life these days? 
Well, so I am also a professor. I teach film and animation at Lipscomb University in Nashville. I'm a children's author and launching a new animation series based off my book series, The Dead Sea Squirrels. So all of those things are keeping me pretty busy. And how old are your kids? My daughter is 22. She's a first-year law student. And my son is 19, who is a sophomore in college. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. Now, let's talk Veggie Tales for a second. I need you to refresh my memory. What year did you guys launch Veggie Tales? 1993 was our very first episode, Where's God When I'm Scared? We released it just before Christmas of 93. And yeah, so it's been, boy, 27 years, Golly. something like that now, 28. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I mean, before you had kids. Exactly. Before I had kids, I had met my wife that very same year. We met in the summer of 93. And so she was there through all that craziness, you know, getting the company going and all that. And then we got married in 95. And then our daughter was born in 98. So I was in my, boy, mid-20s, I guess is what it was. So it's a few... Man, it's so interesting to think back about you being in your mid-20s, creating something that would later become so profound in Christian parenting. Uh, that we would put our kids in front of VeggieTales uh, so often. Can you give us a little bit, where did VeggieTales even come from? So I'm the cucumber. The tomato is <laughs> Phil Vischer. <laughs> so uh, before we were vegetized, we had met at a small Christian college up in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. At the time, it was called St. Paul Bible College because it started in St. Paul, Minnesota. It's now called Crown College. We met doing a student ministry. Growing up, we were both huge Jim Henson and Muppet fans, and so we were both into puppets. And so we met doing this puppet ministry, and uh, we just really hit it off creatively. I mean, we were, you know, Jim Henson fans, but we were also Miney Python and, you know, Mel Brooks. And we shared, you know, similar senses of humor. And so we brought that into our puppetry. And so we would write original stuff and go around, you know, performing. And, you know, we'd hear the little kids, you know, having fun in the front row. But then in the back where all the adults were standing, they would be cracking up, you know, so <laughs> yeah. we'd be having fun with that. That was beginning our, our friendship and creative collaboration. We both ended up in Chicago shortly thereafter. Phil was working in the video post-production industry. I was there finishing up my undergrad. I wanted to go into missionary medicine. That's where I was. Oh my goodness. I was doing pre-med at the University of Illinois in Chicago. And I got a job where Phil was working, you know, to pay my way through school. And, you know, I started off duplicating VHS tapes on the graveyard shift (laughs) uh, and eventually learned more about production. And then as we both learned more about how to make stuff using a lot of what was just this brand new technology emerging at the time, including computer animation, we thought, how could we take what we did with puppets and infuse that into this brand new art form of computer animation. And we needed really simple characters with no limbs and no hair and no clothes. Uh, and so, because all those things were super expensive to do on computer at the time. I was going to ask, so, why were those the, the guidelines? Because it was so expensive. It was so expensive. Yes. So necessity was sort of the mother of invention where we needed simple characters to tell stories with. And if we would have tried to use animal or human characters that we would have blown our budget and never been able to really get off the ground telling stories. And so Phil actually had modeled a candy bar initially and he got married a few years before I did. And his wife also named Lisa, both of our wives are named, (laughs) came by and said, Phil, I don't know if moms are going to want a candy bars teaching their kids biblical values. It just doesn't right. seem right. And right. So it's like, well, that, you know, and then, well, then vegetables seem to be a healthy choice after that. So that's eat your veggies and learn about the Bible is there basically what yeah, it came it's, down it's, to. It's a healthy thing. Absolutely. It reminds me of that scene in the movie Elf when they're trying to figure out the characters and you just <laughs> never know what characters are choosing. And now we know why you guys went with the veggies. 
That's right. Yeah, it was, you know, nothing more brilliant than that. Although I got to say with that elf scene, I know that was sort of a nod toward VeggieTales because he was talking about an asparagus and it was a little bit of an off-color joke. So I won't tell it, but it was really funny. When we first saw this, it, it like, they're making fun of VeggieTales. That is so funny. That's <laughs> yeah. hilarious. Uh, well, they can make fun of VeggieTales all they want because you guys right. know that VeggieTales was a huge success. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, so when you guys are young, and I want to find out about your new project as well because I'm I'm super excited about your new project because this feels weird to say that my kids watch VeggieTales but I foresee that my grandkids are going to be watching the Dead Sea Squirrels. So th- oh, that's awesome. going to be exciting. I love, that. I love that. But when you guys were starting Veggie Tales, was there a moment when you and Phil thought, I think this is going to be a success? Yeah, you know, uh, for me, it came... Um uh, computer animation at the time was so new. And so the visuals were just so appealing. We were renting some office space in the old Chicago Sun-Times building. It was late at night. And the living room for Junior Asparagus for Where's God When I'm Scared when he's watching Frank and Celery on TV, if you've ever seen that episode, it was rendering out line by line, you know, on the computer screen. And I just remember sitting there just watching each frame render thinking, wow, what a cool looking environment and a cool looking world. It's a look that we all take for granted now, you know, and really going back and watching those early few shows, they don't look anything, you know, as good as, you know, VeggieTales ended up looking like or what people are used to seeing now with computer animation. I knew that we had you know, fun stories to tell. I knew that there was a need really for engaging stories for kids that would use to help pass on biblical values to their kids. Mm -hmm. But, you know, knowing those two things and then seeing like, oh, wow, it's going to happen in this world. That's going to be awesome. You know, so for me, that's the first time I got that sense of, wow, I think we're really onto something here. It really did take a number of years for the show to take off. I mean, we took out ads in Christian parenting magazines for that very first episode. We got 500 orders on VHS tape. I think we charged $15 a piece. So that's about $7,500. And we spent, you know, nearly when you count marketing and production cost, you know, about $100,000, which is still really cheap for a show. But one of those orders came from a record distributor who was launching a new children's label, Everland Entertainment, associated with Word Records. And that led to a distribution deal. And slowly we got into Christian bookstores and the word of mouth started to spread. And so that second wave for me is when I heard of there being uh, VeggieTales watching parties in college dorms. That's the other part is like, oh, wow, this is, you know, we're definitely onto something here. Just knowing that, you know, they were appealing to, you know, basically by this time we were in our late 20s, early 30s. We weren't mm-hmm. that far out of college ourselves. So it's like, yeah. this is appealing to kids our age as well as, you know, a small kids. So that's unbelievable. You know, one of the things that I think is so interesting that I think about sometimes is that my job of podcasting when I was in college, you know, in the late 90s didn't even exist. You know, there was no such thing as podcasting, um, especially even when I was in high school. That just would have been unheard of. And yet here it is today. It's my job as a podcaster. Yeah. And I wonder if you look back on your journey as a creator, and I mean, you just mentioned you guys were selling these VHS tapes, and there are some people that are listening to my show that maybe have never even seen a VHS tape. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so as you think about as a creator and like yeah. what the opportunities are now, how do you see the difference between, you know, in, in 93, when you said you started VeggieTales, to here you are in 2021 pitching an entire new show. This is a, a loaded question, but like, what's the difference now in creating VeggieTales and creating Dead Sea Squirrels? So there's a lot that's different, but there's also a lot that's the same. You know, I think on the same end of the scale is just story itself. I mean, people are always hungry for good stories and, you know, that can move them, that can, you know, entertain them. So I think we're hardwired for that. And I don't think that'll ever go away. You know, what continues to change is the technology and the economic model. You know, when we launched VeggieTales, 
uh, home video was a brand new thing. You know, mm. you needed previous to that, you needed to deal with one of the three or four major networks, you know, to be able to give you airtime to put your show on. And then all of a sudden here comes, you know, VHS technology to where you could make something and, you know, sell it and somebody yeah. can watch it in their living room. And I remember what a big deal that was, you know, to even own a movie, you know, because, yeah. you know, just to say, wait, this is, you know, I can watch Jaws whenever I want. That's crazy. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? right. And no so, commercials. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was the economic model then. And, you know, so we, basically sold VHS tape, you know, that which then later turned into DVD and that whole home video kind of business model was born. And many movie studios, you know, even though they were movie studios existed off of that, you know, we were owned by VeggieTales, went through a number of, you know, ownership changes over the years, but DreamWorks Animation, you know, they were a movie studio, but the reason they ended up having to sell to Universal was they were really a home video company. Mm -hmm. You know, they could not make their money back just off of box offices. They needed home video for that yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and so that was that big, you know, business model. And now it's all changed to streaming. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people, you know, get their content from streaming. And so now the big question for content makers is, with something like animation, there's really no way around it. It's expensive to produce just because of the amount of time it takes to put into creating quality animation. How can you make that, you know, for a budget in this economic model and, you know, get a streaming deal and all of that? So that's, you know, kind of like the next challenge that we're having to face as, as content makers. You know, I think it's interesting. You said one thing that hasn't changed has been this idea of story. Yeah. And, you know, you're a dad and I'm a mom and many of our listeners are either parenting children or they're around children or they're teachers, you know, aunt, uncle, whatever it might be. And I think it's so interesting that you have taken just the idea of the story of a little boy, and you can tell more of a little boy who finds something, and then you weave in their biblical truths to kids. And, you know, it feels weird to say, but like as a mom, I'm like, man, thank you, because I remember putting my kids in front of VeggieTales knowing that they were going to get some sort of like wholesome entertainment. I sound like my grandma right now, but, you know, it is true. Like, <laughs> right, you know, right. you put your kids in front of TV and you hope that they get something out of it. And so as you're thinking through even this new project, how do you put your stories together? Do you have like, because your kids are grown, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm so surprised that when you created VeggieTales, you didn't even have kids yet. I mean, I just would have thought that this would have come from an overflow of a parent's heart. And so what do you run stories through now as you get prepared to put them into not only the books that you've already written, but now into this animated series? Yeah, you know, and part of it is just kind of how I work as, you know, a, a storyteller and a creative. I'm sort of in that space, just sort of an overgrown kid, you know, so <laughs> I don't even need yeah. that. But, you know, I view my role as a storyteller also very missionally. You know, I mentioned that I was going initially to college to be a, a medical missionary. Mm -hmm. And I went forward at a youth convention in high school and dedicated my vocation to ministry. And, you know, I pointed myself down a certain path, but along the way, God changed that path for me. And I've always seen it for me as a ministry and kind of the point of, you know, where I made that decision to, you know, not go to medical school, but to do VeggieTales was like the telling stories is important for kids and the worldview that there's a God who made us, who loves us, who wants a relationship with us. That worldview, if that is really, you know, taken to heart as a child, that follows mm. you around for the rest of your life. And that's really formational. And so yeah. I think that's super important. And so, you know, with VeggieTales and with Dead Sea Squirrels, of course, you want to make a show that's really entertaining, that's really engaging that a child will want to watch just as much as they'll want to watch, you know, anything else on Nickelodeon mm -hmm. or Cartoon Network. But at the heart of it is that worldview with the lesson that comes out. And if the lesson comes out truly 
within a story, you know, it has a, an emotional impact and you can remember it. I've always loved to use music as well. And music is another powerful element that really helps kids to remember, you know, certain lessons and certain stories. And so, so yeah, so that's, you know, so building a really entertaining story around a theme that, you know, is foundational to that worldview that a child can remember and, and yeah. take with them for the rest of their life is, you know, what I love to do. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. I love how you said that you had this this idea that your life was going to be mission-minded all along and you were on this path and then God's like, just kidding, we're going to move you completely off the path. But Micah, it makes me wonder as you as a, as a young mid-20 person who, you know, you have these quote-unquote big dreams of, you know, medical school and missionary doctor yeah. and then your path, you know, goes off into animation. Did you have people around you that questioned your decision to give up what they thought was like the big thing and now you're going to, you know, make a TV show about a cucumber and, and a tomato? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't seem like such a wise decision at the time. In fact, one of them was my mom, who was a nurse, and she was one of the ones that was very instrumental in me, you know, kind of all growing up around hospitals and everything. Uh -huh. And when I graduated from my pre-med, I was a biology major, you know, she was super proud of me and she bought this really expensive leather-bound edition of Grey's Anatomy, you know, as a graduation person. Uh -huh. And I just felt so guilty. It's like, I love this book, mom, but I'm going to be a cucumber. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, right. But really, you know, I had grown up, you know, I mentioned I'd done puppetry growing up in high school, but I really loved entertaining. I loved writing. I loved, you know, performing. You know, God had put that on my heart. I didn't see a model of that in my life. You know, my dad was in the Air Force, you know, an engineer. We moved around a lot. You know, there was no model for me that said that, okay, you can go into the entertainment industry mm. and still, you know, be missionally minded, you know? Yeah. So, so I looked around at the things, okay, my mom's a nurse, my dad's an engineer, my older brother's a chemistry major. You know, I, I go to a very missions centered church, you know, so I kind of put all those things together say, okay, this is what right. I need to do, you yeah. know, but then, you know, in pursuing that, you know, 
many of the real passions and the real joys and love that I had my gifts, you know, those kind of came to light and God allowed me to go down a different path. So I love that. How do you think that overflows into what you do now? You work with college students, you know, so often. And, you know, I myself as a mom, I'm about to send a kid off to college in about a year and a half. And we're thinking and talking all about his future all the time. And it feels so weighty sometimes. And I'm so encouraged when I hear stories like yours of not because you were successful at what you've done. And and that's exciting to hear as well. But how you listen to God. And said, okay, here's what I think everyone's saying I should do, and maybe even what I feel like I should do, but God, you keep yeah. moving me over here. How does that influence the way you deal with your college students? You know, you know Proverbs 16 9 is, you know, man makes his plans, but God directs his path. You know, so I tell students all the time make your plans. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a goal, but always be mindful that God may have something else in mind mm-hmm. for you, you know? And so, yeah. and, and especially with college students, you know, I feel like, you know, no amount of education is wasted. You know, I've quote unquote, never used my biology degree. (laughs) Right, right. It's informed, you know, the way I think about things, the way I approach problems, you know. So the other reassurance is, you know, students freak out about, okay, what am I going to major in? Because whatever Mm -hmm. that is, is what I'm going to do the rest of my life. And I meet so many people, probably more people that are doing nothing (laughs) in what they majored in, you know, something completely different. And so for me, it's like, you know, the important part about college is just, you know, going and absorbing this knowledge, learning how to learn. You know, I forget what the statistic is, but like over 50% of the jobs that students will have in, you know, 10 or 15 years don't even exist yet, you know? And so- Isn't that crazy? Yeah, exactly. And so how am I going to, how am I going to just- you know, incorporate this knowledge, you know, as an artist, you know, I help teach at school a class called career creativity. And we talk about, you know, what is creativity? And so Mm -hmm. much a big part of that is exploring, you know, the explorer is the creative person who actually, you know, investigates and basically, you know, brings parts to the table, because really what Mm -hmm. creativity is, it's putting things together that already exist in new ways, you know, so, and to do that, you've got to know what's out there, you've got to be the explorer and get those parts on your table. So you combine them in new ways ways and truly make creative things. And so that's such a big part of college is getting parts on your table. So you can't go wrong. It's so encouraging. Okay. So let's talk about the Dead Sea Squirrels. This started and it is currently a book series. And so take me back to when you dreamed up these characters and tell me even the process of that, like not VeggieTales, but these new characters that you have. Do you like start with a whole cast or do you pick one character? Tell me your brain, how it works, Mike. Okay, it all started with a bad pun. Okay, <laughs> okay. The Dead Sea Squirrels, based off of obviously the Dead Sea Scrolls. Got which it. Which are, you know, we have a little addendum at the back of the book which talk about the scrolls themselves and the historical significance of them. But then from that bad pun came the idea of, okay, well, what if there were would be a character who, instead of like pieces of parchment, like a character who actually survived into the modern day and mm-hmm. can bring that ancient wisdom, you know, back with them to the modern day. And so that's kind of where that started. And so the squirrels ended up being, you know, the characters that, you know, were first associated with that, you know, Merle and Pearl Squirrel. It's like, okay, well, they're squirrels. How did they get to the Dead Sea? Because, right. you know, Dead Sea, you know, they, they don't live there. And uh-huh. so, and then kind of drawing the whole story around, okay, well, actually they lived in Galilee, which, you know, is home to, you know, Persian squirrels. Merle is an adventurer. He decided to take a vacation and take his uh, bride, Pearl, down to the Dead Sea where you can't sink. You know, thought it'd be a great idea, but they ended up getting stuck there. You know, so just kind of drawing out all that. But but really, the main point and all of it, just the main thematic point was, how do you share 
lessons from the New Testament, from the life of Christ and the apostles in a way that's relevant to, you know, a modern kid. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, one of the things that we couldn't do with VeggieTales, and this is just a decision that we made early on, was we were never going to show Jesus as a vegetable because it would just be too irreverent. We got pretty irreverent with VeggieTales, but but one day we needed to draw the <laughs> that line That was the somewhere. line. The line was, <laughs> Jesus, was Jesus is no veggie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. which one would he be? You just right. <laughs> yeah. You <laughs> would pick one and then someone would be like, I hate that veggie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, exactly. There'd be no winning. So, and I've had this concept for a number of years, you know, as a way to be able to, you know, to tell, you know, New Testament stories, life of Christ stories. So yes, that was kind of behind what drove it. And then after that, you know, working up the kid characters, Michael mm-hmm. and Justin and kind of the whole story around that. And so, you know, basically Michael, who's a 10-year-old kid about ready to start fifth grade, is spending the summer with his dad at the Dead Sea. His dad is an archaeologist, college professor, and Michael is exploring a cave with Justin and stumbles across these two dehydrated, salt-encrusted squirrels, thinks they're the coolest thing ever. Justin thinks they're disgusting. Michael thinks they'll make great souvenirs from their summer trip. And so he stashes them in his backpack and sneaks them back home, sets them up on his windowsill of his bedroom, you know, back home in Tennessee, windows open, it rains that night, they rehydrate and come back to life. So that's the basic premise. And the issues that Michael's going through as a 10-year-old kid, Merle and Pearl can speak into, you know, based off of what they've heard Jesus and the disciples uh, talk about 2,000 years ago. So that's basically it. That is so great. All I'm thinking is that Michael would never actually get those squirrels through TSA with all those questions you got to answer. I'm glad they didn't come alive while they were on that airplane. <laughs> There's a whole scene in that in the pilot episode. So uh, really? yeah, we, yeah, we deal with that. We deal with airport security for sure. Oh, good. <laughs> Good, good. So when you're creating a project like this, have you already shot the pilot? Yeah. So the pilot is nearly finished. We are posting it this month in March. So all the animation is rolling in now. We raised enough money initially to do a whole pilot. So do all the voice casting, do the character design, the whole thing. And so the pilot is based off of book one. And then we are now currently in fundraising mode for the rest of the five books in the first series. And then ultimately there will be 13 episodes based off of the books. So yes, we're excited. So we're nearly done. The pilot episode will be done this month and then hopefully we'll be jumping right into episode two. Okay, how does everyone go see the pilot episode of the Dead Sea Squirrels? Well, so if you go to uh, deadseasquirrels.com, which is our website, you can sign up to get more information about the series. We'll be posting like exclusive scenes that you can only see there. Okay. But the hope for the pilot as a part of a larger series is then to get a streaming deal with it. So you can, you know, find it on a streaming service. Yeah. And we're currently talking to uh, potential partners uh, about, you know, which one that will be, but that's kind of our aim for the whole series. And then you would get money if you went with a partner like that, right? Is that how that works? Right, exactly. So producing the series and maintaining control over the messaging and content, because we obviously want to keep it biblically centered, biblically based, you know, we can then reach out to streaming services, say, here, this is a great show with, you know, a lot of interest, a big audience. So then be able to license that to one or multiple streaming services and, you know, monetize it that way to be able to keep creating shows. Yeah. Would you say that when show there's so many shows being created and I'm I'm pretty out of the loop now with having teenagers with shows that are being created for younger kids but is there a spot for faith-based media for kids? Like, do you feel like, yes, there's a place for me, or do you feel like it's a hard place to get into right now? Well, it's difficult because, well, for instance, VeggieTales in the House, which was a spinoff series based on VeggieTales, is on Netflix. When Big Idea was owned by DreamWorks, you know, we got that deal through them. There is a new streaming service called Yippie, 
which a new VeggieTales series is streaming in now. So there's a lot of companies, you know, vying for that mm. streaming space right now. Some are- Are they know, vying obviously. for that audience? Yeah. So for streaming services like Yip and PureFlix and mm-hmm. series like those are, are specifically faith-based, but obviously, you know, players like Netflix and Disney Plus and, mm-hmm. all of, and Hulu, they have a much broader subscription base. So I believe are, would be open for Basically, they care about eyeballs. You know, they want yeah. they want as many eyeballs mm-hmm. as they can attract to their series. And knowing how big the faith based audience is, that would be an attractive thing. You know, and it's certainly that was the case with Netflix or Veggie Tales in the House. And so, yeah. So for me, it's about first and foremost creating a quality show that people really want to watch, and then you know finding the right home for that, which is going to give you know the most exposure to that show as possible. Yeah, I think that this is true, Mike. That you told me this before. Correct me if I'm wrong. Are you guys using some of your Lipscomb students to develop part of the show? Yeah. So that's another really exciting thing about this. So we're producing this out of the university. Tom Bancroft is our supervising animator. Tom is just a, an amazing animator. He, you know, animated on Young Simba uh, for Lion King and, you know, Mushu the Dragon for Mulan, was at Disney for a number of years, and then actually worked with us at Big Idea for a number of years as well. But he heads our animation uh, school there. Uh, Steve Taylor, uh, the founder of our film school, is a filmmaker himself. I've worked with Steve for many years. He's a kind of a pioneer in the the Christian music industry mm-hmm. and producer as well. And so we're s- setting up the production out of the university where we're using faculty members and top students to be able to create the work. And then we're partnering with an outside animation company as well to do the bulk of the animation. I mean, when students are in school, they you know need to be in school and mm-hmm. you know, and so we need a manageable size of yeah. work for them to work on, but still work that we can pay them to do and that they're getting, you know, IMDB credit for. Yeah. Which is like the, you know, movie credit, which goes on their resumes and on their yeah. reels. And it's helpful for them in their career. And so we want to be able to provide that for our students, give them that opportunity. And it really is neat to see how that whole process has worked in the context of of uh, creating the pilot because everybody is really excited about it. it makes it a really fun place to be and um, so you know for us as a university it, it attracts more students it's good for the show and then the show you know is good for kids so it's really fun to be a part of I love that when I heard that you told me that before and I just thought man how cool is that for these kids who have like the best work experience that anyone could come out with by working on this show right here that just would make me giddy if I was a college kid and got that opportunity Oh man. Yeah. It's really cool. And it's been so much fun uh, working with the students that we have so far. You know, we have animation meetings every Thursday night as our animators are wrapping up their shots, you know, Mm -hmm. for the pilot. And they're, you know, they're all, you know, it's all a big Zoom meeting and they're all, you know, we're meeting and they're working on Zoom and, you know, they're just having, they're feeling pressure because they've got to get their shots done. It's like, this is real world pressure, but you know, they're doing what they love and it's really cool to see. Oh my gosh. Okay. So if people want to find out more information and they want to keep up with you guys, you're on Instagram, which is fun because I love Instagram at the Dead Sea Squirrels. Uh And then your webpage is deadseasquirrels.com. Got it. Got it. And they can sign up to follow along. Absolutely. Yeah. And then all of our social links are right there on our webpage as well. I love it. I love it. I love it. Mike, as a creator yourself, I don't know, what do you love to watch on TV? Are you and your wife TV watchers? What are you watching these days? Well, we've gotten into streaming series that we love. Okay. That. Yeah, we're big Crown fans. Love that. 
We're waiting for more Better Call Sauls because that one is a- I don't know this. It's like a lawyer show. It was like a prequel to uh, Breaking Bad, but it's a lot easier to watch than Breaking Bad. Okay, (laughs) got it, got it, got it. But yeah, just it's fun when you find a good streaming show that you just get really hooked into because you just look forward to watching that, you know, time after time. So in the anime, I'm a huge Pixar fan. So anything that Pixar does, I love that. What's your favorite Pixar film they've done? Coco's okay. a really, yeah, Coco's a really, really wonderful film. It's beautiful. Oh, it's so beautiful. My wife is from South America. There's a lot of Mexican folklore in, mm-hmm. she's not from Mexico, but just the whole, you know, culture and everything that's reflected in that film is just really beautiful. So, so that's a really fun one too. I so, love that, love anyways, that. So yeah, that's great. From Pixar. I love it. Well, Mike, I am excited for this project to come out for you guys and the work that you've done. And I'm a fan of VeggieTales, so I'm thankful for what you guys worked on that before when you and Phil did that and just excited about what is ahead for you guys. This is a great project that I know that a lot of my listeners are parenting small kids right now. So this is going to be appealing to them and exciting for them to find out. So thank you for the work that you're doing on that. Jamie, thank you so much. This has been so much fun being on. I really appreciate it. Okay, friends, thanks for listening today. I hope that you were excited about the Dead Sea Squirrels like I am. Make sure you follow them on Instagram if you want to and check out their webpage, deadseasquirrels.com, where you can sign up to find out when they're releasing shows. You can see the pilot that they've created. And is it just me or is one of your favorite things as well that they're using students from the university to help on this project? That just made me so happy. Guys, today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper. Show notes are written by Abby Castell. Music is created and developed by Matt Graham. And the whole thing is produced by Lindsay Sweeney. I'm your host, Jamie Ivey, and I'm so glad you were here today. If you enjoyed this show or any of our shows, man, I'd love it if you shared it with a friend. It's the number one way that people find out about the happy hour. Guys, enjoy your weekend. Have a happy hour with a friend. And I will see you back here next Wednesday for another happy hour conversation. Happy hour conversation.